Welcome to A Geography of Colour. This month, I'm talking with painter Marius von Brasch about his relationship with colour. Marius von Brasch is a German-British painter who lives and works on the Isle of Wight. His work highlights the power of unconscious filters that shape perception. Imagination, affects and memories which pervade social life, history and the life of the soul play a significant role in the emergence of each painting and work on paper. The emotional dynamics of colour and how to contain and give form to what seems to evade representation are central to the work. Figures and fragmented narratives in the paintings constellate multiple polarities and also often echo mythologies. He finds parallels to his approach in Renaissance illuminations in alchemical manuscripts and quotes them indirectly in his work. This symbolic alchemical imagery addresses journeys of identity and evolution of consciousness while proposing transformative ways of working with conflict and diversity. Marius's interest here is to find a new painterly way to speak about these subjects. Marius received his MA with distinction from Winchester School of Art, where he also completed his practice-based PhD in fine art painting. He was awarded the Abbey Fellowship in Painting at the British School in Rome in 2013. With a background in psychotherapy and literature, Marius teaches experiential approaches to painting, as well as courses on art and literature. His work is held in the Prizman Seabrook Collection, the University of Essex Modern Contemporary British Art Collection, and in international private collections. He is a member of Contemporary British Painting and is represented by Jen Singer Gallery, New York. Hello, Marius. It's really nice to be here um, in your studio on the Isle of Wight. Um, Hi, Ruth. So Thank you so much for inviting me to do this interview with you. You're welcome. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about your paintings okay. with you and hearing about your relationship with colour. So we've got a few paintings out in the studio. I wondered if you'd like to talk about how you've got to this point with your painting. I think, I mean, of course I thought how to, how to start this conversation we have here. And um, there are many possible entry points, but I think... Um, that there was a crucial experience I had in my early 20s where I really started to paint. This made me start to paint, where I was left alone by a friend with paper, large sheets and pastels. And uh, I just played around with it and then suddenly something started to kick in, like um, an enormous experience of energy and a kind of... um, in fact, I have to I have to go on and on and on with this, and didn't know what I was doing. And while, of course, it was what one would call um, a bit scaled down and mark making and so on, but but it was for me something very existential and very important um, as an experience of um, that this this energy I didn't know in that form before, and um, it made me look different at myself and different at what I wanted. I mean, from then on, I wanted to be a painter. Because before you'd done <coughs> a degree in, or an MA in philosophy... No, that was, I, I mean, this was... Um, no, I, it, it took me many more years to become a full-time artist. So I, I, I was just... I wanted to... Um, I before started to do an apprenticeship in a publishing house, a very good one in Germany. I was lucky to get that place. 
and um, was heading to become an editor. And I did this in my life as well, freelance for, for literature and philosophy. In, in the beginning, that was very, very difficult for me to, um, to translate this kind of energy into painting because it was very, um, it, it, it wasn't interested in observational drawing, which I did uh, in order to complement it, to have an easier access to translate what, in it, while later looking at the, what came out energetically than, than to formulate it in a better way and so on. I mean, in a more legible way. But the, the study in um, literature, that was for me very important because I have got a great interest in reading and um, I, I got introduced into really interesting stuff to read by my sister-in-law who was an artist as well and was a mentor for me a while, especially when I started so uh, being so overwhelmed by this new thing in me and she she... She, she found this really interesting and helped me to develop this and to believe in it. And I mention this point because my further studies, and I mean, even in, in literature and so on, and, and later in psychology and psychotherapy, and of course I have been through an analysis myself as well, that was to find out what this is, this energy. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, and a lot of my work is around uh, their commentaries or their hint at um, uh, kind of non-discursive but visual ways of thinking about um, where does this impetus come from to paint, to um, these very strong feelings that are in society not really openly mirrored, but they come through in a very destructive way, in my perception, and to uh, put them out there. Of course, this is a kind of effectively being not minimalist on my part. I think that feelings in our world, Western world, I, I talk about England and Germany, basically, this is where I lived, yeah. or live, and this, um, this kind of helplessness, especially in terms of men, to, uh, to deal with very deep feelings, transformative forces in oneself that, are, that come through the back door often, through violence, through mm. manipulation, through um, kind of very unreflected political behavior. And I find, um, I, I see it as a kind of job of mine as a painter to put this out, as a man as well, to deal with feelings. And I play around talking about colors a lot, about very vital colors, pure colors, pink colors that are, um, they have got a kind of uncomfortable quality for some people to look at and uh, because they are emotional. Thanks. So you're bringing what's inside and uh, bringing it together with what's outside. And... Well, I, do, I don't see the division. For me, this is really a, a, fl a flow of um, an, an enormous power is human imagination. I mean, we create all kind of stuff and it's shifting in history and it's shifting with science together yeah. into different ways of looking at the world and, and art and creativity. And uh, we can up, come up with all kind of bizarre com combinations. Look, in, in, in alchemy, they have um, this kind of 
animals or beings that are composed of different parts of bodies of animals and human beings because we can inhabit all of these imag imagined bodies. Yes. So I think it's a very powerful um, force that is in society uh, actually very much in action, also on the negative side. Yes, <clears throat> but it seems within your work you've got that kind of flow of, uh, of being in touch with things, whereas a lot of people maybe suppress or repress that side of themselves and don't understand it. I try to. Mm. I mean, I don't... Uh, thank you, then, then you can see that. It, it, it's my uh, kind of... Each painting, I try this in you and in you, and um, there's a kind of responsibility. I feel it's a very responsible thing to paint. It needs to be thought through exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it, it's... Um, I have a... My work is also to look at what I put out in the world, and is this really responsibly thought through. So therefore, um, although they look very, uh, let's say, my paintings, I think they look very... Are they accessible? I don't know. For some people, not, I noticed, although I find them very accessible. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could take one of them. Is there one that you'd like to talk about? And... Just, uh, um, maybe uh, those two and this yeah. one first year it's yeah. called August Arrival and it's a few years old I don't know exactly when I did it maybe three years ago or so and uh, it, it was an attempt to uh, bring my kind of uh, work in drawing i.e. works on paper and oil painting together uh, the works on paper I make are more I mean, they leave much more empty space than my paintings. And I think that comes from uh, being in love with classical art. Um, mm. And I, I really love the uh, a kind of tenderness in the way of line in, in, old, in classical drawing. And there are a lot of empty space left. And then uh, in, in my mind, of course, it goes into also Asian classical painting where mm. a lot of empty space is left in order to let this negative space talk as, as well. And looking at the drawings behind you, so yeah. would, would you make drawings as part of the process for making a painting? No, they are on mm. their own. This is a, it's a different mode for me. Yeah. It is a different medium and therefore it needs for me uh, a, a different approach. But I know that some people, uh, I mean some other artists, they have got a very similar drawings to their paintings. I mean, for me, they are very much connected to the painting, yeah. but not individually. They have got... Uh, it, it's more about the medium, whereas in, in painting and classical painting as well... I mean, classical painting for me would be important as Poussin, mm. but Saitwombly is for me classical painting on some level as well. Yes. Although he's... Um, Rosalind Cross, talk, Cross talks about this catalogical graffiti and in Twombly, but I see, and this is there, but also I see the the, the, the love affair he had with classics. Absolutely. Mythology and all of yes. this, which is akin to my approach. With. Yes, and I can see I can see that, you know, the the crossovers that you have with, with him and that, you know, referencing mythology and also, you know, you're talking about the alchemy as well, which is very important. Alchemy has built in a lot of classic classical mythology. Mm -hmm. But they mythology is a way of 
um, using a language is, is, is still there because people talk about it and still transform it into films and poetry and to images, even music and operas, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's still alive in human imagination. So mythology has obviously achieved um, to uh, talk about metaphorically, non-discursively about human behavior. This is yes. how I see it. Kind of deep situations that we share, but each, each one um, in a different way. And mythology is like stripped down. The uh, author, James Hillman, who is a, um, a, a real, a really interesting uh, psychoanalyst who died, but who wrote also about alchemy, he talks about um, that when we talk about the underworld, which is in brackets really important for my work, mm. that we have got there a kind of world where human behavior is stripped down of reality, mm. of uh, a reality in the sense of everyday reality. And what remains is are these shadows, which are actually like abstract patterns of our behavior. Yeah. So one can look at them in this way. They are non-intrusive. Mm. Whereas the gods that are um, hovering around in, in the normal Greek world and so on, they have got this typical banter of um, everyday life. But the, the ones in the underworld, they, they have got this kind of... There is no, nearly no activity anymore. One can, one can really observe them. Mm. So um, mythology has got... Um, the underworld as an image, I think, for those things that are um, potent and um, unexpectedly working in society. This is how I how I think about it, and, and it it refers also to what I said in the beginning. Our, our in part really helpless ways of dealing with these forces we have got in ourselves. It, it, I find they need to be really discussed more and they yeah. need to be in the open more and I mean when I look at everyday politics it makes me really so sad because it's a theater of unresolved psychological stuff often I think I just think that often so so much of this is not taken any notice of you know it's kind of pushed away do you feel yeah? yes yeah I but, find it so obvious. so in your paintings your paintings become an arena for you to look at these things yeah examine them yeah and I think uh, also I need to, uh, I've reflected a lot my own position as a man in my work mm -hmm. and uh, as a man who has been as a child uh, exposed to bullying. Oh, and this yeah. has, um, I mean, that came very unexpected because I was just a very dreamy child who loved to make music and read books and um, I couldn't understand what was happening to me. Oh, yeah. And um, that was a kind of... Uh, alarm bells in, inside and I was always told in my family as well that I'm oversensitive and all of this but in myself I felt actually very well yes yeah. I, I never had a problem with being oversensitive and I still don't have one no. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think as an artist I have to have a high sensitivity and also perception of things and feelings and atmospheres and all of that Absolutely, and I think, but I think it's that being in touch, isn't it? You're yeah. in touch with those aspects of yourself. And it took me a while. It took me a long time actually to come to terms with having been bullied because it it attacked my it, it affected my pride as a person, 
And this painting here, which is uh, my last painting, this is the first time that I really uh, talk about that. It, it's called Pansy, self-portrait yeah. as a child. Oh, right, yeah. Well, while I did it, I developed this little violet flower there. Yes. And then looking at the whole um, organization of this painting, I thought um, this is actually how I felt as a child. Yeah. So it's really weird to, um, and why not to call it pansy, because I was, so in English terms, I would have probably been called a pansy also, <laughs> um, that it doesn't look like um, like being intimidated at the same time. No, so it is um, more, more owning this. Uh, this it, it's interesting. It looks as, as if there's various states in that painting and you've got these two figures in the foreground yeah they they relate really to uh, they're a quote of an alchemical idea of the dying king oh yeah the dying yeah. king is basically the um letting go of a, how i interpret it so it's in, in alchemy it's the king that needs to be sacrificed like osiris in egyptian culture yes. and so on in order to allow him rejuvenated come with a new consciousness again Wow. So the old king is for me the patriarchal position. Whether it's uh, embodied by a woman or a man doesn't play a role for me. It's it's more the kind of uh, position of putting oneself out there and playing the patriarchal game. So um, the idea that the uh, king is dying has got something as sad as also very positive. Yes, it's kind of like a rebirth thing. Yeah. And also... I, as I think we've spoken before, that we all, whether we're uh, male or female, we've all got masculine and feminine qualities. Yeah. And maybe, is it about acknowledging that, you know, and understanding? Yeah. That? I mean, maybe it plays a role that um, I would be probably bracketed as a gay man. Hmm. Because I, I, I am actually living with one man for, for many, many years. Mm. But it, and, and I define as such, but it is a shame that we need still to talk in these terms. Yes. That we need yeah. to have all of this kind of, of descriptions. It's again this helplessness um, mm. in, in front of individuality and difference and yeah. otherness. Just to be other. Uh, in, instead of being uh, having to put oneself in this box and in this package and, and so so but anyway I'm, I'm willing to do this and I have done it and I fought for the gay rights as well yeah, and so on yeah. and I'm proud of this yeah. but it makes me still think um, why is it still necessary instead of flowing yes. that the man can flow in and I don't know what feminine and masculine is I don't know it physically mm. yeah of course but in terms of experience I'm not sure I suppose I just meant qualities, you know, those different qualities that people associate with yeah. one thing or another. But I mean, we're all a spectrum and we're all, some things come to the fore one month and recede another, you know, and in different situations, we have different qualities about ourselves. So would you, would you think that feminine uh, is, is more nurturing and male more protective or... Yeah, so or maybe it's better to think of yin and yang and energies. Energies, kind yeah. Of energies. yeah I, I I'm not remember. thinking of it as like a woman or a man, but just as just as being a range of ways, you know, qualities in your way of being, I suppose. Mm. But yeah, let's get back to the painting. And um, yeah, in this painting and in other paintings, I've used pink. Mm. 
what, I mean, for, what, what kind of pink is it? It is a brilliant scarlet by Mussini, which oh. I adore. And uh, I try always to change it, but I come back to it. So, a vermilion, which has got a. a this is both. Uh, the uh, August arrival has also vermilion, in, which um, is, is a color that, that is uh, produced with mercury, I mean, traditionally with mercury and sulfur, which is the alchemical operation. Yes. And also the end goal of um, alchemical operation is the reddening, i.e., the, the kind of uh, warming sun that comes out of the darkness. I mean, they start with the darkening. Yeah. This one is the, the black sun here. This was a, a way of trying to make a new image for this um, blackening of the sun, which came... So you've got the two... You've got... What's the name of this painting? The black, black the sun. Blackening? Black, black sun. Black sun. So you've got the two... Those two processes there, in those two paintings side by side. Yeah. 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 Um, the black sun was an interesting one for me because I don't like to use, to use pure black. Mm. I normally produce this with brown and blue. Have you used black there? Yeah, it, I had to. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it, it wouldn't stand, the, the, the actual circle of the black sun wouldn't... I mean, it took me really a long time to come. The, yeah. the circle was much smaller in the beginning, got bigger, 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 bigger. And then uh, I, I thought, why not to try... I think it's mouse black, which yes. hasn't got the yellow tint that ivory black has, or the oh. brownish. I mean, yellow tint isn't right, but it has got the quality that goes more and comes from brown into black, yeah. whereas black, uh, mouse black has got this, comes from grey into black in my... It's amazing how many different kinds of blacks yeah, you can get, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, I, I think I needed to make this really black, and I felt the... Um, that the last winter when I did it, that was a tough time, for not only for me. I mean, a lot of people around me got ill, oh, myself mm. included, mm. and um, slowed down and uh, such a, like a, a reminder of lockdown and so on. So um, maybe, maybe that was also processing uh, this um, darkening of the sun that went... Uh, that was also one could feel this collectively somehow. It looks as if you build your paintings up with layers. Yeah, you, yeah. Do you want to say? I mean, they uh, they start either with um, with a gestural painting, or I sometimes use um, projections of uh, digitalized fragments of alchemical old images. I oh. just rip them apart. Mm. And then I project a, um, a certain zone of that painting or that uh, woodcut or whatever it is onto the canvas because I think it holds like a springboard before jumping into the swimming pool. And um, and, and then I withdraw. When I, when I have got the first signs, signposts on, yeah. the, on the canvas, then I withdraw the, the projection. It's like playing a good music, a music that gets me into the feeling I want to have mm. when I start something. And it needs to be something more emotional. But when, I, when I'm actually into painting, I need to switch it off because it would otherwise influence me too much. Yeah, interfere with your process. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to illustrate the composer's ideas. It's no. more about my work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that early, uh, the, the projections and the music are, are the springboard in yeah. the creativity yeah. to get 
you're just free. And, and I think the, the image I had with the swimming pool is actually correct. Although that swimming pool is quite um, quite big and quite um, natural water and mm. no chlorine and so hopefully. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the, uh, uh, the water element probably is really important, i.e., I mean, in the old, um, or one associates water with feelings often. Yes. So I think that probably for me strongest as a starting point is the emotional side or feeling side. It's not everyday emotion, it's something bigger. Yeah. It's something I was talking about in the beginning. Mm. I, I, I want to have this feeling that is beyond, uh, that it goes over beyond my personal feeling. Yes, so it's a... It's a collective. In somewhere. Hmm? It's, it's a collective thing that we can maybe. all understand. Yeah. Do you think? Maybe, yeah. 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 I mean that that painting does have a feeling of water in it anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. It's and flow. And I have a kind of as you can see, most of my paintings have constantly boats in or little Yeah. Yeah, this one as well there. Um, yeah. And crossings. There's crossings often you and have boats. crossings. And for me the uh, story of Osiris who had who has to go through the underworld in a boat yes uh, with all the oars and people protecting it I mean it's very very convoluted and complicated every hour is defined but it is basically the cycle of the sun going under the yes. earth li- oh, metaphorically yeah. yeah and for 12 hours and then being being on the sky again for 12 hours so he, he, he goes he, he goes through it kind of destruction and disempowering and losing, it's, it's, it's like Blanchot, the author, he writes about um, Orpheus yes. and, and this necessary moment as an artist to go really into that other night in the order to retrieve yeah. something. It's into the unknown, which you do yeah. every time you make a painting. It's really. like being blindfolded. And I've got uh, lots of blindfolded people in my paintings because there's one painting by, by Poussin about mm. Orion the blinded Orion, and mm. he has got the little cephalus on his um, shoulder who mm. tells him which way to go to mm. reach. And he was punished no, by Diana, I think. And he, he will gain his sight. Um, I, I don't know through through what, what he needs to do, but he goes towards the sun and will see again. The main subject on some level is for me becoming in the works. I mean, how things... In, in uh, through imagination and through forming it and defining it and so on, they become. And there's a moment of time that is um, uh, right, I think, when one works with energies. Yes. So energy is all about change. It yes. doesn't want to stop. And this energy moment of, um, of movement and so on, this is what I want to bring into my painting. And it's kind of capturing that, isn't it? That's what you're doing. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, but it's also yeah, risking it. It's risking not knowing, um, seeing what will come up in the work, uh, that kind of having that conversation that you don't really know what it will be about. You might have your ideas from yeah, your... Yeah, I, I don't archiving. know what it... I never know what it will be. So in that sense, your work is completely processed. Yeah, yeah. Even though we have got the mythology and a sense of narrative in there somewhere. Yeah, and also um, it, it's uh, often... One could say it's a kind of um, a story, but it's not a, a real story. It's, it's multi-layered. And I yeah. like about the possibility to, to work with the concept of time, um, the layering of times, 
uh, like they did it in very early medieval art, mm. where um, the figures are presented uh, repeating, but in different positions, in different yes. so with different time come different time capsules, i.e., space in the painting. And I've made paintings as well where these time capsules are really framed. Okay. I mean, they are like mm. boxes within a painting like, where like, completely different stuff happens. Like you might have in a cartoon, like, do you mean? Like yeah, oh, um, uh, I, 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 my association is more this medieval art. Where you I, know, I know what you mean. It's like... Um, uh, they are often altar pieces yes. with different stories side by side yes. for people yeah. who couldn't read and... Who, who's, uh, who see the story and, and dream about it. I was thinking like um, Giotto and the Arena yeah, yeah. Chapel. Yeah, of know. course. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm. Um, yeah, or, I mean, Fra, Fra Angelico as well. The, um, and the colours have influenced me, by the way, very much. Have they? Of, yeah. of that time, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is apart from... Um, so, but you ask about um, mythology and alchemy. Did I answer that a bit? I think so, yeah. yes. I think it's one of those areas, though, that we could probably talk about for, you know, for forever. For almost. ages. <laughs> so I'm just going to come back to colour and mm. think, yeah. um, wondering if you could explain your... You've talked about the um, that pink and the vermilion, so that your choice of colours has got an alchem- alchemical base to it. Well, the idea is... Um... I thought about this actually before when we arranged this meeting today. I thought, what is this? Because I have certain colors I use again and again. Um, this scarlet, mm. um, I, I really like for its warmth and vitality. And uh, I, I mix it sometimes with yellow that make, gives it a kind of peachy, nearly mm. background. And then I do use as a blue, uh, often the stealth blue, which yeah. has got another name. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I lost it. Um, not so much Prussian blue, which is, by the way, this boat is Prussian blue because it, it has got such a punch. That it blue. has, it's so strong. Yeah, it? yeah, and one doesn't need a lot. It's just uh, mm. just a bit and a bit of medium and then it starts to domineer everything. <laughs> <laughs> So these are all oils. Um, do you use particular mediums with your? Uh, I tried to make my own ones, and then they um, got a little bit too oily, or a little bit too this or that. And um, the one I discovered first was Old Holland medium, which I like most because yes. it's not so shiny. And I tried also Harding, but uh, I come back to Old Holland. It's very simple. It's just stand oil, white spirit, and um, so there, there are three components. Yeah. Quite simple. Yeah. And uh, I mean, in colors, the, the, this uh, painting here, which is called Echoing Green, which is mm. basically the title refers to a William Blake poem on um, different, three different stages of greening, oh. which is an alchemical word as well, greening. Yeah. Can you so, explain that too? Well, me? this is an ambivalent thing in alchemy because you have got the green of putrefaction. And the green of rejuvenation in nature. So it's a vegetable, uh, vegetal world. Yeah, the plant yeah. world. Yeah. And uh, in, in that sense, it's um, what uh, Osiris comes up as a... I mean, the rejuvenated Osiris has the color green. 
aber es ist ein Malakit, Malakit. Also Malakit in our, um, I mean, the more you grind Malakit, the greater it gets. So it's yes. difficult. Yeah. It, it, it can only be kind of um, imitated, I think. Yeah. So I had a, a green thing in this painting, um, of course, uh, to find that sphere in the left lower corner there. To find the green took me very long because green is such a difficult color to work with, I find. Yes. As the main um, star of the painting, yeah? Yeah. Um, it, it wants to be found. It's very hard work to to make it not acidic or not too gray, to uh, to make it lively. It's, it's, but it's, um, it, I, I like that color a lot. And I, I can see it kind of coming through a bit into this one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, because I like to uh, do uh, to work with turquoise a lot when I was younger, mm. as you can see there. That has taken over, been taken over by manganese blue, and I got one big tube before it was um, somehow banned. Oh, really? For so-called yeah. toxicity. Yeah. I, I miss lead white as well. I mean, I'm really so into toxic stuff. So many banned. So, uh, the, yeah, this uh, cobalt green is um, it, it's very beautiful, I find. Yeah. Or to, to, to use turquoise and a bit of lemon yellow. So these sound like colours that you have an affinity with. Yeah. Does, um, does any colour theory play any part in your work, do you think? Yeah, this is what I wanted to say um, when I thought about it. Is there a colour theory that's important for me? Um, I felt uh, that they are psychologically important for me. If there is a color theory, then I, I was interested actually in the color ideas around what, what is called the energy body of a human being. Does that relate to the chakras? Yeah, it, 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 yeah but it, it, it is, um, yeah, it is related to energy wheels and uh, which I don't know about, mm. but I know that I think that we have got um, an extension of our physical body into feelings and colors, why not? And auras. Yeah, why not? I, 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 wouldn't, um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is all possible, but I'm not so much into uh, being so precise about chakras, and so I, I don't know. Yeah. But I feel um, that my dealings with colors are energetic, yeah, so yeah. it makes sense to, um, to think maybe... There are energies that uh, uh, want to be laid down in color form, and this is what I do, I think. And you were a gestalt therapist and yes. a psychotherapist. Yeah. So presumably there might be things that have come in. Yeah, and way. I've uh, run lots of classes with um, people around painting from, as one could call it, within, although we had this nice little conversation here already mm. that it's not so important to make this... The, the division too too hard no? between yeah, yeah. inside outside, but it is for a workshop really helpful to encourage people to listen to their own body mind, yeah? yeah, and to let the body and the thinking and the feeling work in unison and do something that is really surprisingly different to what they would expect of themselves, yeah, including colors. Yes. So um, one of the uh, I mean, for me, it's an experiment I do with myself and with others. And I like always to see what comes out of this experiment is what, um, what happens when you use colors that are really attractive to you and the ones you can't stand. 
what together use those together no individually but also to to paint i mean to prepare a painting with colors that are difficult to use Mm. for the individual Mm. often red funny enough i love Mm. it and um or black is is, uh, or brown brown is also special um kind of connotation with Feces and earth, and it is too, uh, it's a bit old. And it's interesting to work with this color. So I, uh, I use um, brown and olive green and these earth, so called earth colors, or not so called, they are earth derived from them. They have this um, beautiful grounding. I mean, when, when I myself or people in another situation, which is then created by a workshop or course or so, choose particular colors especially like or detest, then it is often connected to feelings. I mean, always connected to feelings, actually. And um, during the process of working with these colors, the emotion is enhanced. So that puts people in touch with how they feel, maybe then enables them to go further with that. So they're making a painting, but also... They're kind of relating to themselves. They open something up mm. in themselves that had been closed. So it's like opening a door. Mm. I do this with myself as well when I paint. I find mm. this is a challenge of, I mean, when we when when I talk becoming before and so on to mm. and, and also to to open these things that are closed. Also in on a on a, on a more societal level that are taboo. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't mean taboo in a sense of things that are really right not to do. This is not what I mean. But I mean the ones that are actually beautiful and and uh, have potential and so on. Um, to to open these doors, I find this is really important. I try to stay in in contact with my own development while I paint hmm. because I think. My development is a part of society as well. I mean, I don't mean that I'm super important, but in my environment, my in, with my friends and with my partner, and with my family and so on, of course it is important how we interact with our closest environment mm-hmm. and that has got consequences. Yeah, absolutely. I We're believe. all part of this kind of cosmos, really. Aren't I we? Think, We're all yeah. interrelated, everything. And are your paintings then um, a space where that's what you're doing? You're resolving the conflict and yeah, there is a, yeah elements. conflicts which are mine, but which are also conflicts I see in in um, I mean what I call society. I mm. through media, through news, especially. I mean, can upset me greatly, and it goes into my paintings. Also, there on the surface might not look like it. I don't know. I understand that. They're not literal. It's it's not a literal comment. It's more a comment on what is underneath, what I see underneath. Yes, it's it's kind of feelings, but you're also using the idea of relating what's happening out there and inside to those mythological texts, which somehow help us explain ourselves yeah there are bits there are a bit of anchoring isn't mm. it because mm. uh, we need I, I think we need some anchoring I saw last time I visited mm. you had the uh, big red book of young in your studio yeah are you still see, yeah okay also Carl Jung did um, go through a psychotic phase oh, yeah. um, mm. while uh, uh, someone separating from Freud mm. and um 
uh, created an an immense work of uh, I, I didn't know that he, he painted all these things mm. and did also write uh, a nearly like a Gnostic texts mm. in a pseudo medieval handwriting. Mm-hmm. So I I got this book because uh, I find Jung is very interesting, but also for me too uh, it's history nearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking at his paintings, it was for me a kind of um, interesting learning curve because he uh, literally repeats alchemy. So he repeats symbols. He uses symbols. Uh, I mean, they look like imitations of medieval works. And this is what I don't want to do. Alchemy, alchemical images and so on, they inspire me. They challenge me and I want to find contemporary ways yes. of translating the essence of that or essence of the, what, what is in there. Yes, but the I don't want to rather use, than the, no. the kind of the thoughts rather than the actual physical yeah. signs. Yeah, and how the thoughts translate into my time because they are, I mean, Jung claimed these archetypal things, uh, the, the, the archetypes, Um, I mean, it's a very complicated concept because he explains it that the archetypes uh, archetypes are empty patterns that we all share and um, like instinctual uh, residues and they are filled with individual content. But still, there there is this danger and he went into his own trap in my perception of uh, recurring always to the past Mm. and one needs to live one's archetype power and so on. I'm not sure about these things. It, we, we live now. Yes. And um, with a very complex world of thinking and creating art and music. And so it's very, very new. There are, I, I definitely think that I stand on the shoulders of history and other artists who have had essentially very similar feelings, but they express it differently in their time. And I need to find ways to do this for yeah. my time and how I feel in it. Absolutely. So you're, what you're painting is is a very personal expression, really. Uh, yeah, although I think um, that I'm different as an everyday person than my paintings often. I see. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, I try to go beyond my um, everyday self yeah. somehow yeah. in that. Yeah. And um, I'm just going back to kind of the practicalities mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Of, uh, you mentioned about... Uh, you mentioned old Holland for your colours. I just wondered if there were any more colours that you know you'd always have on your palette. Or... I have always on my palette um, uh, really nice radiant yellows. Yes, cadmium yellow. Mm-hmm. I know it's not not allowed anymore, is it? I mean, there are the yeah, there yeah. are. It's very nice synthetic. Um, I, I very much like uh, the earth colours, sienna, burnt and raw, umber. Yeah. Also, the umber uh, doesn't dry so well, mm. so I, I, I play around a bit to, to do it differently. Um, and I discovered this so-called Caesarean purple also. This is also Mussini colour, which I've got in, uh, in, That's in quite this vibrant, isn't it? pansy okay. picture, yeah. And it's, quite a, it's quite balanced, isn't it, between blue and pink? Yeah, between blue and pink. yeah. Um, in drawings, uh, I use Karandash oh, yeah. mm. for my pencils, and um, there's one color that's called Royal Blue. It is mm. between violet and blue, and I find it has got exactly that 
inviting quality for accessing that otherness. It has the warmth, but also the darkness. And, and one can emphasize it with black or with red each time somewhere else. And it's really exciting, I find. Or a, 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 a Prussian blue, in I mean, for pencils, which has got that coldness. Yes. Um, I need sometimes, in my drawing especially, there, there are lots of references to be feeling trapped uh, or blindfolded, which, which is, I think... A, quite human experience to mm. feel trapped or uh, I mean from 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 childhood I do remember this feeling of being sometimes feeling like frozen I mean this is bullying experience as well and and I think it is actually I, I felt when I was younger I felt very apprehensive of sharing uh, about sharing this but I, I in hindsight I think that actually a lot of men have been through this and um don't dare to talk about it and or, or don't uh, and, and I think that needs to be um, protected or, mm. or to, to offer something that is uh, it's, it's nurturing that yeah, bring I it know. out in the open yeah and also to put on, on these drawings where, where these enwrapped persons I mean this kind of frozen thing yeah. to have something that warms it as well mm. I mean to, to offer this warmth as mm. well yeah. and does um, colour memory play any part of your work here, um, thinking about uh, you know early colour memories or certain I, it might have been I mean with my love for medieval paint, uh, mm. paintings my parents had some icons in their house oh yeah and um, I was transfixed and looked I looked at, at them and dreamed myself into it and the sheen of uh, light on, on the gold and the oh, oil yeah. paint and so on it might be that such uh, memories that do play a role yeah, yeah. Mm. And you're working on quite a big scale, generally. I do like to paint very big, yeah. um, but it's difficult to m manage them afterwards because I live on the Isle of Wight and the transport costs are crazy. Ah, yeah. So, um, uh, but, but I, I like to work um, because it engulfs me when I paint. It's like I can step really into that emerging world. Yes, and it's the scale of the body rather than... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right, yeah. I mean, I made when, uh, somewhat 20 years ago, I made a whole series of um, paintings that were basically my body size, uh, tall and, and width as well. And, uh, but not literally me. It's, no. um, so what have you got planned coming up? Um, I, I have got this exhibition in the moment going on with mm. uh, my gallerist. Oh, yeah. And... Um, and I had just yesterday, or the day before, finished this workshop in Hawkwood yes, College. Yeah. So I, I give myself a bit of a break over the next days. And from the money I got for my course, <laughs> <laughs> I will buy a new aluminium frame for a big painting. This oh, is yeah. what I'd like yeah. to do. And I don't know the colors yet, and I'd like to stay in this... Um, to, to really, uh, this is for me studio practice, to come into the studio and to be in that moment as well and to allow that moment to have its own energy. And um, while the painting emerges, I do, I, I can uh, recognize the theme and the subject. And I, I mean, I have read quite a lot of stuff around these subjects and I've experienced a lot, so I can play with certain registers. Yeah, and um, and this 
I mean, there are, of course, they are edited, these pictures. Mm. The initial idea, uh, I, I meant the idea, I invented mm. on the base of something that is um, otherness in me. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. But I'm the one who makes the decision in the end. I think it's, it's really important yeah. to see that, you said, have you guides with you? Yeah. yeah, there is something guiding me, but I'm the one who invents in the end what, I, what is the guidance yes. about. Yeah, yeah. And I can make a decision to say, okay, this element of my painting is for me too literal. I don't like it. So to erase it. Oil painting is wonderful for erasure and the erasers do create a kind of luminosity that I use for my work as yes, well. Yes, there's a depth there, yeah. isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also that, I think that feeling of time within a painting, you know, the duration that it's taken to make the painting mm. uh, also has something to say in the painting, doesn't it? Definitely. Mm. I don't know how it is for someone else. No. Because for me, it's clear there is duration and, and I, I play with the idea of duration a lot. I think I can feel, them, feel that in your paintings. Mm. So how long would you spend? I know, it's, you know it would be different for every painting. But Do you mean the, how long I work on the painting? Yeah, um, yeah. This greening painting was maybe the hardest and uh, there was a moment where I thought I'd just pack my little satchel and stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it was, it was just terrible. Maybe it's just because the job was for me. It was an alchemical idea I wanted to bring together in one painting, that touching darkness and light in, in a metaphorical sense. Mm. And this is not as easy as it sounds because it, it needs the polarity of colors yeah. and uh, it, needs to be, it, it, look, it needs to look natural in the end. Yeah, and you're bringing it together opposites. It took me weeks and weeks and weeks and I, 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 I nearly gave up, but I never give up on a painting. So, no. um, and I'm, for example, not working from, with having 10 unfinished mm. it's always one you work on one at a time one and tenaciously and yeah. um, frustrated and unhappy sometimes it's a torture I find painting <laughs> often <laughs> whereas the um, the painting which became then pansy self-portrait of me as a child that was um, playful and, and very easy to make oh. so one maybe took me three months yeah. and another one two weeks you're maybe more in touch with that. It was easier. I, to I'm easier with red. I, I'm I'm a more of a fiery person, so um, mm. all all kind of reds are for me really easy. The uh, green way. and blue and uh, I mean to have a to have a purely blue painting is for me hard work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marius, it's been really interesting. Thank you so much you. for your interest. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thanks to Marius for such an interesting insight into his relationship to colour. I would also like to thank Stuart Bowditch for editing the podcast, Arts Council England for supporting its Redevelop Your Creative Practice grant, and Contemporary British Painting, an artist-led organisation that I'm a member of, for helping to publicise it. Thank you for listening. A Geography of Colour is a monthly podcast with a new painter each month. Talking about their relationship with colour, do follow it in your podcast player, and share it with your friends. You can follow A Geography of Colour and Marius von Brasch on Instagram and Contemporary British Painting at Paint Britain there too. Do sign up to their newsletter to receive more information. And links and credits to the podcast
can be found in the podcast app.